Ramble. If I offered you two different pairs of jeans and I told you that you can only wear one of them, you could probably decide in two seconds. But what if I offered you a thousand pairs of jeans and they're all slightly different and I said you can only wear one of these for the next 12 months straight. This will be your go-to pant of choice. What are you going to do? How do you even start to choose? That's exactly what I felt like when I was combing through thousands of listings whenever we were moving to a new apartment. I would spend hours a day stressing about, is this apartment in a good neighborhood? Is it going to accommodate my dogs? Does it fit my budget? I didn't know any of these. And the worst part is most of the listings didn't even tick all of my boxes. That is why Apartments.com is your best place to look for your new home. Apartments.com lets you filter your search based on whether you have pets, if you want a balcony, built-in AC, whatever it is that you're looking for. The website remembers your search so that you don't have to keep filtering every time you come back. And Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else, meaning no matter how specific your needs are, they got you. And your instant alerts mean that you can spend less time online looking for the perfect place and more time doing you. So if you're looking for a new place to call home, head over to Apartments.com, apartments.com, the place to find a place. Bada bing, bada boo. Welcome to this week's mini sode of Rotten Mango. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue. And I'm a concerned listener. And today, I'm just going to drop you in. It's been a while since I've been at a loss for words on how to start an episode. Normally, I'm like all in, ready to go. This is what I'm starting with. But this is such a bizarre case. I don't really have any of that. Listen to this. A woman makes it her life goal to marry a rich millionaire. He, she specifically wanted someone that just wasn't worth $1 million, $2 million. No, well over $50 million. At least $100 million. Are you kidding me? And she was successful. She married a huge real estate mogul in Orange County. She even had a son with this man, an heir to the inheritance. Now, even with the money, she still likes committing crimes, stealing cars, stealing grand pianos. You name it, she's stealing it. How do you steal a piano? She's crazy. Oh, <laughs> Like the job just to steal a piano, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty expensive. If you can steal a grand piano, <laughs> yeah. you probably deserve the piano. I feel like the amount of labor and work and like renting a van is the cost of a grand piano. Yeah, and lifting <laughs> a piano in there. Yeah. Yeah. Percent. You deserve it. You know what? If I ever get a piano stolen, I don't have one. But if I did, yeah. you steal it, kudos to you. Exactly. You deserve it. You worked hard for it. You earned it. <laughs> yeah. Then this woman gets arrested for slavery charges. Did this happen during the slavery era no this literally happened in like the 1960s okay she'd been holding women captive in her house to clean for her she would beat them with hot irons if they tried to run away so she gets sentenced to prison she escapes and starts killing people with the help of one of her sons whom she may or may not have an incestuous relationship with what so you're thinking well stephanie you just gave the whole thing away when i tell you i'm not even scratching the surface when i tell you that's not even the shocking parts of this story I'm literally at a loss for words. As always, full show notes are available at RottenMangoPodcast.com, but there's a really good book on this case called Son of a Grifter by Kent Walker. This is actually one of the sons of the criminals that we're talking about today. I don't even know what to say. This was a book that I finished in one sitting, which is alarming, and I say that a lot, but this book was like 500-something pages. Every page is like watching a dark sitcom. It's so dark. It's so gruesome, but he's able to deliver every detail with like this strange, witty humor that you're not expecting. My the murder parts but all of his personal stories the ones that included his mom it almost feels like you're watching a movie 
like yeah. a like a dark version of Modern Family. I haven't seen a lot of deep dives on this case. There's a really good A and E episode on it. Larry King interviewed the woman, and this podcast episode won't be a deep dive, but I highly recommend this book. I mean, it's on Kindle too. If you want to get it today, it's like a good just a weekday read. I don't even know what to call her. She went by multiple different names. At one point, it was Sandy. Then it was Shandy. Then it was Santi. Then it was Santi. Then Shantae. Then Shanti. I mean, the list goes on. She's got like 25 different last names. Her Even her ethnicity is constantly changing. One day, she's from of Dutch origin. One day, she's French. Then she's East Indian. I mean, she's just a globe-trotting human. I don't know what to do. Let's call her Santi for this video. Or Shanti. Shanti. Let's call her Shanty. <laughs> I'm just picking which one I like the most, okay? Shanty. There's no official name <laughs> no. that everyone goes by? No. Wow. So much so that when her firstborn child, Kent Walker, the author of this book, was born, he has no idea what's true. He has no idea his heritage. Maybe he took a 23andMe recently. But up until the writing of this book, he's like, yeah, I don't know what part my mom comes from. Like, I don't, I have no idea what my heritage is. I don't know what my ethnicity is. I've never met my, you know, biological grandparents from that side. It's just bizarre. But we do know that she was born in Oklahoma. Now, sometimes in her story, she says that she had siblings named Reba and Kareem. But even her kids never really knew anything about them until a court trial. Yeah, her kids were like, you have siblings? What the fork is happening? Sometimes she was from a respectable family in Oklahoma. Sometimes she was born on a farm and she was just hanging out with barn animals. She was feeding the pigs. She slept with the cows. Her accent, by the way, was horrendous. No matter where she said she was from, her French accent, her somewhat Dutch accent, just all horrendous. But the fact that people bought into it shows really how good of a con she is. I'm talking French people would believe that she's French. I mean, something would be kind of like, you know, bothering them, tickling them in the back of their mind, but they would believe it. Reba, the alleged sister of Shanti, said that she was uh, just a nasty little girl when they were growing up. Now, I don't know for a fact that they were sisters. I don't even know for a fact that they knew each other. But people said that they looked like an identical carbon copy of each other. So we can only assume. But she said that ever since she was young, her favorite habit, her favorite thing to do in life was to creep up on you when you fall asleep. You're taking a gentle nap. Oh, well, let's just take off his sock. Once your socks are off. Well, convenient. I happen to have a box of matches in my pocket. Why don't I just stick them between his toes and then light them? What? That was her favorite hobby. I mean, I guess you gotta do what you gotta do. Entertain yourself. What? Now, what's crazy is that everyone loved being around Shanti. I mean, she was energetic. She was charismatic. But it goes deeper than that. I feel like so many times we're like, wow, this criminal, this serial killer was charismatic. But what does that really mean? I feel like it's so overused. Shanti, people told her that her energy alone could fly a rocket to the moon. If she liked you, you felt special. Why would someone this eccentric, this out of this world, this different and confident and outgoing, why would she even talk to me? Maybe she sees something in me and you start feeling good about yourself. It was one of those relationships. People said that she looked like the famous movie actress Elizabeth Taylor. And she kind of did it purposefully. I mean, she'd wear these massive black wigs. She went out of her way to dress like her at restaurants. People would be like, hey, you look... This is crazy. You look so familiar. And she'd be like, oh, I'm Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> you're, you're the Elizabeth Taylor? 
what? Can I get an autograph? And by that point, the whole restaurant is lined up and she's signing cocktail napkins. Just full in character. Never broke character. Never. If people questioned her like, oh, but Elizabeth Taylor has like a mole here. Like got it removed. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Never broke character. Her boyfriends were obsessed with her. They would sleep out by her pool for three nights straight just to be let back into her life. They'd be like, please, Shanti, don't leave me. Like that was the life she was living. In high school, Shanti meets Ed Walker, who's going to turn up to be her second husband. Why are we skipping her first? Hold on to your horses. We're going to get there, okay? She was going by Sandy at the time, not as fancy, Sandy, and Ed was completely smitten. I mean, he's a high school kid. He's a jock. He's, you know, a football player, and she's beautiful, full of life, just quirky, and she always talked about all these famous people that she knew. So in Oklahoma, he's like, wow, you know famous people? So they start dating. He's dating her exclusively and seriously. He believed that they were in agreement after high school. They're going to try to go to the same college, stay in the same area at the very least. Then they're going to get married. That's what you do, you know? Shanti, though, dated him casually, definitely not exclusively, and she was just not a person to be tied down. He ends up in Seattle. She's moving up and down the coast of California for college, and they're still talking. And Ed believes wholeheartedly, you know what? This sucks. It's long distance, but we're going to get married once I graduate because I'm studying to be an architect. That's what Sandy wanted him to be. Sandy liked the sound of it. Oh, me? My boyfriend's an architect. I'm dating an architect. She liked the tone of that, the ring of it. Now, during one of these vacations, he went to go visit Sandy, and her adoptive parents opened the door. Uh, is uh, Sandy home? She hasn't really been talking to me the past couple of weeks. Is she? Can I talk to her? Oh, Ed. Sandy's married. Wait, she just got married? She just got married. Not too long ago. She's a newlywed. She didn't tell you? I thought you guys were broken up. She got married to an army officer by the name of Lee Powers. Now, Lee Powers had relocated from Georgia, Fort Benning, all the way to California to be with his newly wedded wife. He quit the army and he decided, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to become a school teacher. I'm going to put food on the table. I'm going to pay the bills. Now, this shook Shanti. A what? Now, most people would think that that's admirable. What a great career path. I mean, you get benefits. Maybe you, I think you get a pension. Do you get a pension, right? But to Shanti, this was the worst case scenario. You got to think bigger, Lee. That's not enough money. Do you want to waste your life chaperoning proms, going to high school football games? I can't do this. You've got to be something better. And he refused. So she divorced him. And she runs straight back into the arms of her high school boyfriend, hopefully soon to be architect. Right, Ed? You're going to be an architect, right, Ed? She wanted someone to give her big presents. What's bigger than real estate? Yeah, you could aim for a bag. You could say for my birthday, can I get a purse? Can I get a new little, you know, iPhone 13? That's a huge present. But what's bigger than a big old plot of land? Maybe some commercial properties, maybe some houses. And he could build it. He could give it to her. She's definitely thinking very big for a young age, right? That's why I'm so intrigued by her childhood. I mean, what kind of house was she raised in? I mean, if these are her real siblings, like Reba and Kareem, what are they doing now? I feel like it it was nature. 
Yeah, because she's this is intense. Yeah. Like, I don't even think you could coach this. Yeah. So she, I mean, he gets straight to work. If that's what Shanti wanted, he will do it. He was really in love with her, head over heels, saved up $100,000, bought a lot, built a beautiful house, then another and another. And in California, he's in Los Angeles, to be exact, he starts becoming an up and coming contractor in the area. People wanted to hire him for their projects. This is Shanti's dream, but it wasn't good enough. She wanted more excitement, more money. So she starts trying to burn down the houses that he built for insurance money. Now, maybe because she wasn't good at fires yet, or maybe because his build was that great, the house wouldn't burn down to the ground. Only the kitchens would have damage. Insurance would pay them out. They would fix it up and they would sell the house for $400,000 in today's money. He only spent like $100,000. Now, that's really good profit. Mm-hmm. If Shanti doesn't blow $200,000 of it on Christmas presents. Well, what does she buy? Just everything. I mean, this woman buys everything. She is the epitome of just, I want excess. I want luxury. I want everything to be brand name. She wants to be dripping in Los Angeles where it doesn't even get cold. She wants to be dripping in mink fur coats that are worth $20,000. She wants to have a whole closet of them. She wants Jeez. jewelry. She wants the best of the best. Now, that's still a ton of money that they're making. Even with all the money that's coming in legally, Shanti could have just given up all her old habits. But she loved shoplifting so much. She got caught stealing hair dryers, things that were like $30. She just couldn't help it. She couldn't walk into a store without taking something. And because it's LA, she changed her name from Sandy to Santee. That's more of a developer's How do you spell life. Santee? It's always the same spelling, though, except for Sandy. It's S-A-N-T-E. Oh, Sometimes she would do it, it with the little thing over the E, the little accent. And she would always say, oh, it's uh, with the thing over the E when people write her name. <laughs> uh. No, she starts getting more involved in Ed's business, wants to help him network, bring him in That's more ca- clients. Hold on, I'm so sorry. That's yeah. kind of funny because in Chinese, we have four tones, right? Oh. So when we do the spelling of the words, actually, we have the little thing on top. The too. accent? The little. Yeah, we have four <gasps> different things we do. So imagine me just telling, oh, it's it's the uh, this with the yes. accent on every character. Make sure you do it right. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like it's extra bougie. <laughs> like what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> and the only person who uses that kind of spelling is uh, when you're in second grade. <laughs> trying to learn how to write yes. words. <laughs> That's exactly what she was doing. And she, she thought it would help with networking in Ed's business, getting him more clients. And the best way though, Mm-hmm. Not just impressing them with money or her name or the little thing over the E was to have sex with potential business partners. Oh, yeah. In their family home in Ed's office, really anywhere that Shanti saw fit or where it would fit. That was a really good one. I'm sorry I had to. She starts spending more money, racking up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt, buying fur coats, furniture, designer bags, makeup. Ed starts to lose everything. He would have to develop a house, sell it immediately just to pay off their debt. They weren't even breaking even. He tried to stop her spending, didn't give her money. And so what did she do? She would go behind his back as his common-law wife or as his wife, you know, married wife, sell his property to sleazy businessmen. So, for example, if a property was valued at over a million dollars, she would sell it under the table to sleazy businessmen for $100,000 in cash. Now, these guys would jump at the opportunity because $100,000, I mean, I don't even know what percentage of a discount that is. And she would pocket the cash and leave Ed in all this debt. And herself, too. But she didn't care that she was in debt. Did not care. 
I mean, this woman is. I am just. This is like <laughs> my biggest nightmare. <laughs> You're looking at me. I don't even know <laughs> what you would do. <laughs> this is like murder in the making. <laughs> like, yeah. What? Now, Kent Walker. Around this time, Kent Walker is born. So this is Sandy's first child. This is also the amazing author of the book that I'm obsessed with. And now she's a mom. She's not necessarily maternal in the way that she would have been, but she does everything she can for him. She steals for him, steals toys for him. Yet, Toys R Us walks out with just a purse full of everything. The newest gadgets. When it was his birthday, she stole a golf cart to give him. He's like seven years old. She would throw these lavish parties for him all the time. His friends were jealous. I mean, what do your parents do? But she was reckless. Her marriage with Ed was rocky. They were constantly breaking up, getting back together. When they were broken up, she would call him, ask him for money. I need you to come to my apartment that I'm staying at and give me $50. So he would make the drive. I mean, Ed was smitten. He was head over heels for this woman. He would make the drive to drop off $50 when she is on the couch making out with her new boyfriend. He would still hand her the $50 and drive all the way back home. Dang. Now, around this time, he starts putting all his money, putting all his time, creating a dream project, a house in Laurel Canyon, a prestigious area in Los Angeles. It's going to be overlooking the city on a beautiful hill, a mid-century modern glass everywhere, beautiful house. She sets it on fire to claim insurance money. She's literally setting fire to her husband's dreams and goals in life. Literally. Now, at Ed's peak, he was worth around $10 million with all of his properties, but Shanti blew through it all gave it away or oftentimes she stole things or ruined something would get sued and guess who's on the hook for it ed and he's ready to just pick up the bill he lost everything because of shanty he has no complaints no frustration i mean after the divorce he's like yeah that was that was bad but he had been through so much abuse that whenever she did something like this whenever she lit a house on fire sometimes it would be her throwing a kitchen knife at him and it would hit him in the arm he would just calmly ask her why do you do this? Oh my god, poor dude. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. Oh, so after they're officially broken up, there was a gun incident. Christmas Eve rolls around. Shanti and Ed decide to be responsible parents. For the happiness of our son, Kent, why don't we just go out to dinner as amicable partners? Shanti would bring her new boyfriend, Clyde. Nobody will fight. It'll show Kent that we can have a cute little blended family, you know? Give him some hope for the future. Dinner goes great. So much so that they're like, hey, you want to hang out at one of our houses after? Okay, sounds good. I'll follow you. So they get into their prospective cars. Shanty and Clyde are in one. Ed and the son, Kent, are in another. Kent is about seven years old at this point. So Ed's following Clyde's car. When he notices, it pulls over to the side of the road. Well, that's weird. Did something happen? I hope nothing's wrong. So he pulls on over too, gets out to investigate. He starts looking at uh, the tire. And Kent's waiting in the car and he sees his dad stare at the tire then back at his mom, then back at the tire, and he looks confused, and he looks angry. And slowly, Shanti pulls out a gun from inside her coat, points it at Ed, and he starts screaming, whoa, 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 raising his hands, and he's like, I don't do anything stupid. What's going on? What's going on? And she said, did you turn us in? Did you tell the police about us? Admit it. It was you. He's like, I don't know what you're saying. I didn't talk to the police. And then she pulls the trigger. The noise was deafening, but Kent said Ed didn't fall to the ground. Somehow, somehow, Shanti had missed him from point blank range. But maybe she didn't try to kill him. I mean, I think she did because she uh, 
Well, you'll see. So Ed leans over, grabs the pistol from her, throws it into the woods, and starts booking it. He starts running, okay, away from the cars, leaving Kent in the car. Clyde starts chasing him in his car, pulls up right next to him, whips out a shotgun, and fires, and he, too, misses. Are you kidding me? These are the most incompetent but somewhat competent criminals now ed's freaking out starts trying to flag down other cars this is scaring clyde he drives back to shanti they pick her up they drive off meanwhile nobody wants to help ed yeah the city of angels nobody wants to help him he's like my wife just tried to shoot me everyone's like okay step on the gas let's keep going so he gets back into the car with kent they go home once the adrenaline the shock wears off wait what first of all what is she screaming at him about because uh, someone had informed the police about their illegal criminal activities. And she thinks maybe Like she dead. was like stealing and yeah. setting things on fire. I see. Like their insurance fraud. I see. And he's like, I didn't do it. So Ed didn't want to turn in his ex-wife. <laughs> the mother of his child never went to the police about it. If I don't see it, does that mean it doesn't exist? That's the age-old question, especially when it comes to credit card statements. I hate to admit it, but I really was one of those people. If I don't see it, does my credit card debt really exist? I don't know. I feel like there's some trickery over there. And if you're like that, you're not alone because debt can feel crippling. It's scary. It feels overwhelming. But Upstart can help you on your path to financial freedom. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all done online. So whether it's paying off those credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. And I can totally relate to this because this was me a couple years ago. My credit score was embarrassing and that's fine. I'm working on it. But Upstart knows that you're working on it, okay? And you're more than just your credit score and it's expanding access to affordable credit. Unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income, your current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. With a five minute online rate check, you can actually see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 and you can receive those funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. I mean, it's kind of crazy because you can do this all in the comfort of your couch. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash rotten. That's upstart.com slash rotten. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash rotten. After ruining Ed's life completely, Shanti was officially ready to move on to the next man. But she knew. She knew she needed something bigger, grander. Yes, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but she wants to bag a whale. Now, marrying a rich, rich millionaire was her only goal. She forced Kent to dress up in suits in order to impress these high-status men because having a perfect son equals you're a perfect mom. There's no question about it. Which means maybe you'll be the perfect wife. And these men will be like, wow, this, this woman's so beautiful. She's got the biggest titties. I mean, she has really big boobs. She loves showing whoa, it off. Whoa. She loved telling everyone. She only wore sheer like little gowns. Yeah. <laughs> Just telling you the truth. <laughs> so before these men came over to pick her up for her dates, she would be getting ready and she would sit little Ken down. He's like 10, according to the book. And she would say things like, there's two kinds of people in the world, Kent. The haves and the have-nots. And the have-nots aren't really people at all. I'm doing this for you too, Kent. For us. For our family. We need someone who can give us the things we deserve. Now, her favorite men had always been 
real estate men, developers, commercial property moguls, men who owned a lot of things that she understood. Something like stocks, she doesn't get it. She can't set it on fire. There's no way that she can take control over that asset. But real estate, she understands it. So, but before she married a millionaire, she had to do a couple of things by herself. An admirable single mom mindset, but not really. She would steal cars whenever she wanted a new car. She would steal it off the lot. She would go on a test drive with these, you know, car salesmen. Hey, I love this car. You know, my son loves it, but he's taking a nap in the back right now. Or why don't I try parallel parking? You go inside and start the paperwork. Now she looks like a rich, respectable woman. So they'd go inside and start the paperwork, and she would just zoot off the parking lot. Yeah. She picks up a magazine one day. The magazine is called Millionaires. Classy. There's a man in Newport Beach, Orange County, California, by the name of Ken Kimes. He was a motel mogul, recently divorced, and his net worth was estimated in today's money to be around a hundred and forty million dollars. Where is this money coming from, Ken? Well, he started. He was smart. When Disneyland was in the works of being contracted in Anaheim, he started buying up a bunch of property right in front of Disneyland, turned them into motels. Now he's banking. Now he's loaded off his butt. This guy's a cat. This is the one. Let's go fishing. So Shanti is like, okay, we got to learn everything we can about him. His favorite color is white. So what does she do? She impulsively, before even meeting the man, goes into her closet, throws out anything with any color on it. Only keeps the white clothes. Goes on a shopping spree where she only steals white clothing. He loves the smell of gardenias. She smelled like a walking gardenia botanical garden from ten miles away from that point on. I mean, this woman is. Really intense. So, who is this Ken Kimes man? Is he interested in someone like Shanti? His childhood is interesting. He was also born in Oklahoma on a cotton farm, where his、uh, family was employed, and they were they were broke. They were so broke. They decided to change their lives, pick up, move to California, save up all their money, buy some property, and by the time that Ken is twenty four years old, he's a little real estate developer. He's building these houses. He loved it, and it only grew from there. At his height, he owned ten motels and restaurants and commercial properties all up and down California and the state of Arizona. Now, when he divorced his first wife, who had been there through thick and thin, through poor or rich, he showered his two children with gifts so that they would choose in the courts to live with him, so that he wouldn't have to pay child support. He also forged documents and hired other professionals to make it seem like his first wife had cheated on him, so that she would get nothing in the divorce. And he was really proud of it. <laughs> he thought that that was like his best business move ever. Okay, now he was a very frugal man, maybe a little bit too frugal, but he was also a very skeptical person. For he felt like everyone was out to get him. All people wanted from him was to take his money. Everyone in this world is a greedy person, and they don't like you for you. No, they like Ken because he's rich and because he can do something for them. Especially, even his own children could be bought. They liked their mom, but he bought them a bunch of things, maybe a car here and there, and suddenly they're, oh yeah, mom's a bad person in court. So of course, his view on humanity is just like. Bar none, it's just on the ground. And Kent, the son, he thinks that this is the reason that Shanti entered into his life so easily. You're thinking that's weird, but he、mm -hmm. hates he hates people that are after his money. Yeah, but it's probably because she was so upfront about it. And it's refreshing. Everyone else hid little cards up their sleeves. Oh, Ken, you're so handsome today. Ooh, Ken, can we do this? Ooh, Ken, no, don't buy me that. But Shanti made it clear and obvious she wanted money. 
She that made is, it clear and obvious. Yeah. I'm here for your money. You're here because I got big boobs and I'm cute. That's it. Pretty, pretty. It's <laughs> a really smart move. Yeah. yeah. So she decides this one needed extra work, though. She starts changing her family background around. Suddenly, she's French, moves to Newport Beach, and she says, "Oh, I'm Santé," with an accent and the little thing over the e at the end. You know. And eventually, in Newport Beach, she goes from Santé to Chante because she thinks maybe it's better if I'm East Indian. Maybe it's a little bit more ooh la la. Maybe it's a little bit more different here. So many French people here. I'm nothing special. But Ken would always call her Santi, till the day he died. Santi. Yeah. Now everyone, everyone that knew Ken Kimes is shook. That's his new wife. Have you seen his new wife at the country club? Oh my God! Did they really get married? You think they're married? They never had an official ceremony, but it seemed like they were married. Or maybe, maybe guys. She's just good in bed. That's gotta be it. But Ken says it was different. I mean, his mom was loving when she wanted to be. She would give Ken massages all day, spoon fed him like a little baby, poured his drinks, praised him in front of his friends. But everybody else saw her as a gold digger, including Ken, because he refused to tell her how much money he had, where it was, and he called every single one of his accountants and told them never to talk to Shanti about his finances. He wouldn't even open up a checking account for her. <laughs> I love it. The, the trust. <laughs> the trust is really the, the foundation of the relationship is yeah. so strong. It's a solid, solid marriage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And in the beginning, he refused to even spend a dime on her. At first, he didn't shower her with gifts. He didn't buy her dresses, makeup, skincare, even the cheapest things. So then she would show up to the house with new fur coats, and he's like, "Well, I know you don't work." I know you don't have money because every time I go to sleep, you steal my cash out of my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you getting this from, Shanty? Then he finds out one day that she's stealing it, and he is somewhat proud. He doesn't stop her. He's like, I don't gotta pay for it. Yeah. So <laughs> good for you. He was. He admired her absolute ballsiness. Just the audacity. She was just something that most women in Newport Beach were not, which is exciting. She、oh. was just crazy. So he would fund her business ventures, though. One of them was this poster business. She was going to sell posters to the United Nations. I listen. I don't know. Okay, it's in the book. It's a deep dive on this whole poster business. But they ended up losing over a million dollars. So I wouldn't say she's a really good, just straight by the book business owner. Now Shanti would also go down to Mexico or South America to smuggle in young women on the promise of applying for a work visa. She's not just stealing pianos; she is literally human trafficking. She would provide them with great pay, so she said, and a great opportunity to start a life in the land of dreams and freedom, America. So she said. They would drive down the border in their new plushy Cadillac, and of course, you know, they would go to like lesser neighborhoods, and everyone would be staring, like, "What's going on? Who are these people?" And she would stop a random woman with their young teenage children, like nineteen. She would stick out a wad of bills into the mom's hands. A heartfelt talk. Shanti was really good at Spanish. Then the young teenagers would get into the car, and she'd tell them, "Don't worry, I'll treat you guys like my daughters." And they would drive back into America. They would actually place the two teenage girls into the Cadillac trunk to get past border control. And the women were always the same. They were younger, never spoke any English. If they mentioned that they had family in the U.S. or knew English or could even possibly get a legal work permit or visa for the United States, she wasn't interested. Mm-mm. That's you're not it. She would find an excuse. You just don't look. You don't look like you got what I need. 
Then once they were at Shanti's house, she would take all of their belongings, ID, passport, make them work 24-7 without ever leaving the house. She never paid them, told them that their payment was in free rent and food. Most of them ran away because that was the only way that they could escape. She couldn't even, they couldn't even call back home to Mexico. They were literally slaves in her house. She took all their clothes in Cinderella fashion. She burned them in the fireplace. Gave them all the same uniforms. Once they were done with work, they weren't allowed to leave their rooms or even talk to each other because they could be plotting something. She had locks inside the house that locked from the outside. So she would literally lock them in their rooms. So what is she doing? She's just making them clean the house? Yeah. Doing chores? Oh, yeah. If they didn't want to do their work or do it well enough, Shanti would shove them, push them as hard as she could until they fell. They weren't allowed to eat with the family. If the maids needed something like a tampon, they were so terrified to go even ask her. They would go to the young teenage boy, Kent, and ask him instead. She would burn their arms with hot irons if she was pissed when she wanted to punish them. Sometimes she would pull a gun on them and threaten them. If you ever try to run away, you will be killed because we have connections to the mafia. When one of the girls had burned hamburgers, she's making dinner. Shanti was so pissed, she took her into the bathtub, poured scalding hot water all over her. And when that wasn't enough, got a pan of boiling water to throw on top of her too. Oh my gosh. But she would tell these young, undocumented, vulnerable, abused, scared girls... Be careful. There have been so many times in the past, you know, a very entitled American family would walk by and they'd see these young, beautiful women working for us. And they'd get envious. So they would call ICE. And the girls were very stupid. The police took them to jail. It was terrible. Nobody could help them. Nobody could get them out. And that is why it's so important you don't talk to any strangers, even if they can speak Spanish. Stay in the house or they can take you and put you in prison where it's hell. They'll treat you very ugly, very nasty. They'll hardly give you anything to eat. They'll beat you, molest you. Oh, they'll do everything. So don't answer the door. Don't answer the phone. And everything's going to be beautiful. You're going to have a very happy life. If you don't pay attention, it's going to be hell. She would also provide them with 40 pages of rules. Very beautiful. When she went over to other, I mean, these are also millionaires, okay? These are like, their net worths are insane. And she won't just pay fair wages. She would go over to people's houses. She would tell them, these are other fellow rich people. Oh my God, are you doing your own dishes? You are too busy to worry about all this housework. I will get you a maid. No, really, I'll get you a maid. All you have to do is feed them. You're really doing them a favor. I mean, you should see the conditions that you're saving them from. You don't have to pay them a penny. It's an honor for them to be living in America. So did she do that? No, all of her friends were like, That's, that seems illegal. No, thank you. I'll just, um, like I have a Fiverr. I can just go on Fiverr or something and get someone. We're fine. Now, one day, Ken tells Kent, I know it's confusing. Who tells who? (laughs) So the dad's name is Ken. The first son, his stepson is Kent. But then they're going to have another son named Kenny. Okay. (laughs) So one day Ken tells Kent, the son, that mom's at the hospital. What? What is she doing? Is she going to be okay? Oh, yeah. Nothing big. Something minor. So he's thinking, well, she's probably having surgery done. Like this young boy is like, I've seen her get all this work done. It's fine. She's going to come back home and it's going to be great. But she comes back home. With a baby, a little baby brother. He was born prematurely, but he was healthy now. And all of it was just so confusing. He's like, why didn't, why didn't you tell me? Why would you keep this a secret? Something as big as having a little brother. 
I don't understand. And Ken, Ken, the dad, the whole time he'd been talking nonstop about how he didn't want kids. He was in his 60s already. And now, now we have this newborn. I'm so confused. Wait, the son didn't know the mom was pregnant? She was gaining weight, but nobody told him. Oh, I see. And his name was Kenny Jr. So when the mom was alone with her first son, Kent, she would tell him how important Kenny Jr. is. Listen, Kent, he's the key to our lives. If you ever want to live comfortably, we have to make sure Kenny Jr. is safe away from the other children that Ken has. So Ken had two children from a previous marriage. We know that, right? Yeah. We got to make sure nobody touches Kenny Jr. This is the heir. She would call him the heir. The heir to the throne. The heir to the inheritance. The heir to the empire. He's special. He has a destiny to fulfill. Besides, you're not going to be in the will because you're just a stepson. And she would say it like that's scathing. And it would make Kent just want the love of Ken so badly. Just wanted to feel like he had a dad, like a father figure in his life. So for a while, Shanti's over the moon. She loved to play with her baby. But immediately when he peed, she would just hand him over to the maids. And she enjoyed parenting because she only did the fun parts. Now, on top of that, she had won herself an heir. So she's living the dream. Spoiled the crap out of him. For his birthday, she enlisted the help of her friends and family, rented an RV, and stole, can you guess? A grand piano. A pony. Oh. oh. <laughs> a full-on horse. She stole a horse. Hid the horse in their garage next to their new Cadillac till it was his special day and surprised him with it. And he loved it till he got bored of it in like an hour. Now, Kenny Jr. has always been homeschooled so that she could control who he talks to and everything that he does. She had this crazy paranoia that all of the other kids or other uncles or aunts from Ken's side of the family were going to try to brainwash Kenny Jr. into hating his own mom because they hated her. They hated her. Let's not lie. Ken's first kids hated Shanty, thought that she was evil, disgusting, a gold digger. She must have some blackmail on our dad because he's losing his marbles. So she would hire these tutors and he would study for eight hours a day. And all these tutors said that the mom to son relationship was strange. Nobody was allowed to be alone with Kenny without Shanti in the room, including family members. And they were alarmed when they found out that Kenny, who is eight years old now, still showered with his mom. That's a little weird. And it didn't seem like, oh, I'm just busy. Like, this is the fastest way, like busy mom life, you know? No, it's, it's all about control. It was all about boundaries. And it was just downright bizarre. One of the tutors tried to teach Kenny, hey, we can't lie, okay? It's a good life lesson. Don't lie to people. And Shanti got pissed. She told the tutor, there's a time to lie and there's a time not to lie. And I will be the one to teach him that would make the maids give pedicures to the tutors. And the tutors were like, oh, I don't feel comfortable. Like, I don't need a pedicure. I'm fine. No, we need to do this. This is to show her that she is subservient to you. Now, one of the tutors, Teresa, would eventually go to the FBI and say that Shanti had stolen her passport, her ID, forced her to smuggle woman across the border with her so that they could be mates together. Yeah, so that they could be slaves to Shanti. She kept threatening me if I leave that she has mob type. Something bad's going to happen to me. 
And the question is, why would anyone willingly still want to be anywhere near Shanti? Well, she was a good friend when she wanted to be. So she always strategically hung out with people that were of a lower socioeconomic status than her. They were impressed. She provided them with one thing that they might not have a lot in life excitement she showered them with gifts spontaneous trips to the bahamas to hawaii she was crazy she had stories for days she made you feel alive she had pictures with the first lady with the vice president she went to a lot of uh, parties in washington dc she crashed a lot of parties in washington dc pretending to be ambassadors yeah man <laughs> it just keeps going i know <laughs> The Washington Post actually did an expose on her because uh, they found out that they weren't ambassadors, that they were just a rich couple from California. And it was bizarre. But she always would ask for a favor. If you were her friend, she gave you a gift. She would remember it until it came in handy. One day, Shanti served papers, you know, to show up to court one day. And she decides, I don't want to show up to court. Begs one of her friends, I need a huge favor, please. Gives her this big black wig to wear. Cakes on her makeup. Puts her in a white dress from Shanti's closet. The same one that matched the one that Shanti was currently wearing. They look like twins. I mean, it was comical. What's the plan? Are we just going out into town looking like this? Follow me. Shanti's lawyer meets up with them. Escorts them to the police station. And tells the sheriff, Hey, you didn't serve my client the papers. This is the real Shanti. You served it to this random woman right here on the street pointing at the friend. They happen to be wearing the same thing with the same hair, so it's it's easy to see how you guys could be confused. So they had tried to play it off to the sheriff that, no, you didn't hand me the court papers. You handed it to this woman right here. Who isn't me? So technically, I didn't get served. So technically, I'm not going to show up in court. That's what happened. Are you kidding? I mean, this is like the most bizarre, just the whole bizarre plan, right? <laughs> Do you ever look into your closet and think to yourself, why, why do I never have anything to wear? It doesn't make any sense. I got all these clothes, but nothing really. And I read somewhere that it has to do with the fact that maybe you're filling your closet with too many trendy items and you need to go back to the basics. Now, this has never appealed to me because you guys know I like a lot of personality in my clothes. And with Everlane, I get the best of both worlds. It's my favorite place to get staple timeless pieces that fit well, that are so comfortable and I know that their quality clothing made with ethical factories and radically transparent pricing since 2010, before it was trendy. Like, they do extensive research and vetting to use ethical factories that provide fair wages and reasonable hours to the skilled people who are crafting their clothing. And which, by the way, you can feel it in the clothes. The quality of these clothes are wild. Like, I have so many of those white, crisp button-ups from Everlane that I love to put under sweaters, that I love to put under crewnecks, and it just looks so clean, but it's so comfortable. It's so breathable. Like, I don't get hot. I mean, it's just an easy throw-on. I even have workout clothes from Everlane, and what's crazy is that I got a swimsuit from Everlane that I've been waiting to try out in the pool, but it's been raining, and the coolest thing about their swimwear collection is that it's made from 13,768 pounds of recycled plastic you know those people that you see and you're like why i just know you smell good i just know that you smell crisp that's the style of everlane they even have amazing denim that's so comfortable versatile all year long you can even find the perfect cut that fits your form just right it just melts onto your legs you can choose your stretch level maybe you want a vintage style rigid jean or original which is a hint or maybe you want that body hugging authentic stretch 
They're all made from certified organic cotton at the world's cleanest denim factory with zero landfill waste. So you can feel really good about it. And they accept returns within 30 days of the ship date. All uniform clothing comes with a 365-day guarantee. So go to everlane.com slash rotten and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. And get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash rotten and sign up. So at this point, Kent's grown up. He gets married. He has kids. Now, these are Shanti's grandkids. And she really was a great, passionate, giving grandma. They were interviewed for A&E, the grandkids. And they said, I knew that my grandma loved me. When we were young, there was nothing, nothing you could say to convince me that she wasn't the greatest person alive. So, for example, during Halloween, Shanti would go over to their house and tell them, I have something special to show you in my purse. I have these magical pumpkin seeds. They're enchanted. Together, they would spread them all throughout the front lawn. And when Christina would go to bed, the grandchild, Shanti would stay up, cover the entire lawn with real full-size pumpkins. That's so cute. <laughs> That's kid, a really good idea. I know. It's a, for the kid. We right? got to keep this up. We got to write this down. The kids would wake up thinking they had a magical pumpkin patch outside their house. They were just so full of joy. But when Christina was 12 years old, Shanti offered to take her to the Bahamas. It would just be Shanti, Kenny Jr., and Christina. Mm-hmm. Now, when they get to the Vegas airport to go through airport security, one of them had a stun gun in one of their just carry-on bags. That's illegal. We have to call the police. So they stopped the whole family. They're like, you got to wait right here. The authorities are coming. We called law enforcement. And instead of waiting around, Shanti and Kenny Jr. make a run for it, completely stranding 12-year-old Christina with a stun gun. They just left the child. They left the child. <laughs> what? The police interrogated her for hours before they were able to get in contact with her parents. And even after all of that, Shanti and Kenny Jr. never apologized. She would also tell their grandkids, hey, if you hate cleaning your rooms, you should tell your mom. No, but she's going to make us clean our rooms like she's going to be mad. No, she's only making you clean your rooms because she's too poor to hire maids. You should ask her why she's so poor. So when Ken's wife found out about this, she confronted Shanti by calling her a fat fucking wig lady bitch. (laughs) (laughs) This whole family is. (laughs) They need a reality show. I mean, minus Shanti, but everybody else, okay? Don't tell me how to raise my daughter. So what does Shanti do? She slips something into her drink. A date rape drug. Now what her plans were, we'll never know. I mean, thankfully, nothing happened. Did she just want her to pass out so that they wouldn't fight? We don't know. Then there was the constant fighting between Shanti and Ken. They fought about everything, even who Kenny Jr. loved more. I mean, what the fork is going on? So during one particular fight, Shanti's yelling at Ken, hates her husband that night, so much so that her best revenge is to lift up her skirt and pee on the kitchen floor. This is like her, this is, it doesn't seem like a rare occurrence in this house. So she's urinating all over the kitchen floor. Ken comes back out and is like, hey, stop peeing on the kitchen floor. She starts beating him and he raises his elbow to defend himself, but it accidentally elbows her in the face. Now she had recently had an eyelid surgery done. So the elbow had kind of hit her eye. Tiny little droplets of blood fell on her face. Now both the sons are there and they're watching this and it's silent. Everyone's shocked. What is she going to do? She's going to blow this whole place up. She's going to set us all on fire and claim life insurance on all of us. She runs to the bathroom and she comes out calm. That's okay. 
She sits down next to Ken. It's okay, honey. It's a mistake. She starts stroking his hair and his back. Side note, Ken also had work done recently. He had his hair done, transplants, Mm -hmm. stroking his hair. You know, your hair looks so good. Then out of nowhere, she yinks it as hard as she could. And she was standing there with a fistful of bloody hair. And Ken is screaming, sobbing in the bathroom. And Shanti tries to run after him because she's not done. She wants to rip out more of his hair. But she slips and falls straight onto her back because of her own urine. Oh. I'm telling you, this is the craziest family that I have. I don't even know what to say. So next time you're in Newport Beach walking past these beautiful multi-million dollar houses, just know, just know there might be some shit shows inside. They're probably all shit shows. <laughs> so the next morning, though, Ken wakes up. He's nervous. His parents just had an explosive fight last night. But they're just sitting there eating breakfast, feeding each other, spoon feeding each other. Oh, honey, you like this one? Oh, why don't you try a bite of this? As if nothing happened. And as the kids got older, there was just no boundaries in that house at all. Shanti wanted Kenny Jr. to shoplift with her, even used his stroller when he's like a full-grown kid now so that she could stuff it with stolen goods. Whenever she wanted Kent to do something for her when he was a late teenager, this is like a flashback, you know, she thought, what are teenagers like other than material items? Girls... She would go to malls, telling them that she had a son that was an heir to a real estate mogul, looking for some fun. They would be giddy. They would come over. And afterwards, she would ask him, did you get some? (laughs) What? Yeah. She would buy him pornos and just like leave them around the house or in his room for him to watch. And it was just no sense of boundaries. She even tried to convince him to sleep with the maids and the tutors and said that they're lonely. But every time he got a girlfriend... She did everything to break it up. Casual sex was fine, but girlfriends, mm mm-mm, disgusting. That girl is a filthy sleut. She's nothing but a gold digger. She's trashy. And he would always think that's really ironic coming from you. And she would also call him a son of a bitch. That was his favorite thing. That was her favorite thing to call him. And he's like, you know what? If the shoe fits, okay? If the (laughs) shoe freaking fits. She never saw the irony in it. (laughs) (laughs) She would throw these parties for her young teenage boys and all the time these young kids would come in and she would scream, I'm throwing these $100 bills into the pool. She would crumble them up, throw them into the pool, watch everyone jump in and fight each other for the money. This was her sick lesson to her kids that everyone is trying to get money. And that's, look at what they're willing to do for a hundred bucks. And she just loved watching the whole shit show. Now her crimes continue. She shoplifts, steals more cars, more grand pianos. She would go to baggage claim every time, get her bag, and then a few more just before leaving, okay? (laughs) That is my question. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what's stopping people? That's what I'm saying. What is stopping people? Is that like the only moral code we have left in this society? Don't take other people's bags. Baggage claim, yeah. Because imagine, okay, let's say you weren't even on the plane. You could pretend like you just got off the plane with everyone. Wait there, take one bag so it's not suspicious. Yeah, exactly. Don't take my advice. Why am I giving out? It's weird. <laughs> so then she would still light houses on fire. She was arrested in Washington, D.C. She had gone to a fancy hotel restaurant and she decided that she had to have the fur coat of the lady sitting next to her. So it was draped over her chair and on Shanti's way out, she slips it off and takes it. Now, it was estimated to be around $20,000, that fur coat. So she's arrested by the police later and she lied. She lied. 
not that she didn't steal it. She was like, yeah, I stole the fur coat. But she lied and said that she was 34 years old. But in reality, records show that she's 46. It's a weird thing to lie about to the police. (laughs) And then a maid had run away, like all the others. She will never let you go. You have to run away and leave everything. That's the only way. And hope that whatever is out there is safer than whatever's inside that house. But one of the maids had gone to the police, something that Shanti really wasn't betting on because they were undocumented. She always threatened them that the police are evil. They're out to get you. They're going to they're going to molest you. okay? because you're undocumented. But she went. Thank God, because the couple was promptly arrested. And the news of this just went wild. A bizarre case millionaire woman arrested on slavery charges shanti was now facing 85 years in prison and ken 75 years they spent millions on attorney fees 11 million dollars in total on just this case in legal fees and the civil suit because after the criminal lawsuit or after the criminal case there was a civil suit between all of the maids being like you need to pay us for our time and the emotional trauma and the fact that you held us hostage And Ken couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. He was old. So he's like, okay, I'm going to plead guilty. He was fined $75,000, but he got no jail time because of his age and no previous convictions. But Shanti, on the other hand, she refused to plead guilty. So with her millionaire lawyers, she got a five-year prison sentence and only served three. Oh, so she did finally go to jail. Yeah, but she only served three, which is surprising. Why did they let her out after three? Especially because during this jail sentencing, she escaped from prison. She ran away while on a hospital visit. It took days to catch her. News was having a field day. The police should be embarrassed. They can't catch this middle-aged woman. Oh, my God. She probably hasn't run a mile in like 25 years because she's, you know, getting old. Old people are actually really healthy, but Shanti wasn't. She really loved liquor. She really loved drinking, smoking. You know, she didn't live a healthy lifestyle. You know, how can you not catch this woman? This isn't some criminal mastermind. This is a woman with children. The prison was so embarrassed. How did we let her escape? So finally, after days, they found her again. But because of that, there were always stakeouts at Ken's place from the FBI and sometimes the police just surveilling the place making sure that they're not colluding with Shanti to do something. And Ken and Kent would get cheeky with it. They would put on mom's clothes, her big black wig, and get binoculars and stare straight back at the FBI agents. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) And it sounds like the time of their lives, but they were miserable. The only one happy was Kenny Jr. With mom gone, he didn't have anyone monitoring him, who he's talking to. He didn't have to do that tutoring for eight hours a day. Instead, he could be free. And his dad, Ken, let him have whatever he wanted, wanted to be his favorite. Ken was desperate. Ken was like, Kenny, I'm I'm your favorite parent, right? You love me the most, right? Spoiled him so much, so much more than Shanti, if that's even possible. By his 13th birthday, he had installed a backyard pool, rushed it, paid contractors extra thousands of dollars to rush it so it's done in time for his son's birthday. But him just games, video games, weapons, because he loved uh, weapons. Meanwhile, Shanti's in prison infuriated. This is a big injustice. How dare they? I did nothing wrong. All I did was help them. They were living horrible lives with their families and loved ones in Mexico. They wanted to be my slaves. And now these entitled women are wanting more money from me. 
disgusting despicable that's how she thought i can't even believe that she like somehow did the mental cartwheels to believe all of this stuff so at this point ken has sold his biggest motel in front of disney he wasn't living the same life that he was prior to shanti and definitely not prior to this criminal and legal battle he also gambled away close to one million dollars while shanti was in prison because he was depressed the family dynamic got worse because of Kenny Jr. He had turned into this spoiled monster, never worked a day in his life, but he had this crazy violent temper and believed that he was God's gift to this world. He even punched his own dad on occasion, tried to strangle his mom with a rope before Kent stopped him, called the cops on Kent and lied and tried to get him arrested for assault, which thankfully didn't work. I mean, this is a dangerous, entitled dude in the making. So Shanti gets out of prison. She walks into this show she's upset what do you mean i can't fly first class everywhere i go what do you mean we're trying to save money that doesn't make sense i only ride first class then she'd get upset then the fact that kenny jr was like uh mom you're back no i'm gonna go hang out with my friends no i have a girlfriend i mean she was just distraught so she works years tirelessly to get everyone back under her control and that is when it was a normal day for shanti and ken her husband They're running errands, and she says, well, I got to go to the bank, sweetie. Okay. Ken drops her off at Wells Fargo. She goes inside. He says, well, I'm just going to wait out here. I don't need to do anything. And when she gets back into the car, he had his head tilted back on his seat and his eyes closed, and he took one big breath. And she starts screaming, Ken, what's wrong with you? Starts shaking him. He's not waking up. Witnesses who saw this tried to help. They called the ambulance. Paramedics show up. They attempted CPR, rushed him to the hospital. But the hospital said that they knew that he was gone before he even entered. What? But she kept screaming at them, do something, save him, fix him. She was hysterical. But he had died of a sudden aneurysm and he was only 77 years old. Now, to be fair, he did drink a lot. He did have uh, really failing health. But Kent Walker, he goes really in depth on this in the book. He, there are some suspicions that maybe Shanti did have something to do with it. It hasn't been proven. The police never investigated it. But what it does, is. Uh, what does Kent think? A little bit, a little bit weird. So right before he had died, Ken had actually pulled Kent aside and said, I need to talk to you about something. It's serious. Don't tell your mom I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. And he seemed nervous. He also mentioned that he thought that someone was poisoning him. But he had always been a paranoid person, so it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. So Kent was really confused with just the timing of it. It was all weird. But then in hindsight, you could also say that it really hurt Shanti when he died. Not because she lost the love of his life, but it said that she was never included. Neither was Kenny Jr. in the will. Just the children from the previous marriage. Now, Shanti and others will claim, no, 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 no. The will gave Shanti 50%, Kenny Jr. 25%, and the other 25% to the other children from his previous marriage. Now, if that were true, why couldn't she get a hold of his money? That leads me to believe that she wasn't in the will. Oh, so she didn't have money after? No. Oh, wow. Maybe he had hidden a lot of money offshore. That's what the eldest Kent believes, the author. But they really didn't need the money, at least not desperately. They had a house that was paid off. They had another property that, if sold, could be in the millions. This was left to Shanti. Mm -hmm. They had hundreds of dollars of just liquid cash. Shanti, who's getting older, I mean, at this point, she's set for retirement. A really good one. She could go on vacation, support Kenny Jr. during college, spoil her grandkids, you know? Mm -hmm. Kent... He's married, has a job, has kids, doesn't need her money. But Shanti was broke and she was depressed because she knew that in the Bahamas, there was an account that had over $850,000. 
Is that true? True. And she needed to get into it. She deserved the money. And Kenny Jr. felt the same. What do you mean? That's my dad's money. So it's my money. I'm the one that spent the last years of his life with him, not his other kids. And both of them were just addicted to the lifestyle. They were two peas in a pod. Meanwhile, Kent was living a regular life with his family and he had morals. So it just kind of splits off. After Kent's death, Kent really is just focused on his family, the author, and Shanti and Kenny Jr. are just egging each other on, enabling each other. They were honestly the worst people to be put in the same room together, mother and son. So the duo head to the Bahamas to ask questions. And one of the bankers, his name was Saeed Bilal Ahmed, and he kept asking a lot of questions. What do you mean? Why don't you have the paperwork? I get that you're his wife, but your name's not on the account. How did he die? When did he die? Well, we need all that paperwork. He's just, you know, doing his job. So they invite him over for dinner. Come on, it'll be fun. We'll get to know each other. And he shows up at their rental, and his drink was filled with a date rape drug. And they felt like if, we, if he's at this bank, we're never going to get the money because he does everything by the book. Even if we talk to another employee and they try to get us the money, he's going to stop them. So they carry him into the bathtub and they drown him. They get rid of his body in the ocean and they had fully murdered a man. They get back to Los Angeles and now she's stressing out. Kent offers to help sell the property. You know, he got a buyer for $3 million. Free $3 million in cash, mom. You're set for life. Everyone, even if they were my age, they'd be set for life. But you, this old lady, you're set for life, okay? But she was convinced she could get $9 million for it. So she refused to sell it. When that didn't work, and now she's busting for cash because her spending was crazy, she needed another plan. She's like, I gotta make money. So there was a man without a home who's going, who's digging through some trash. He was looking for some food, and instead he found a foot. He said, oh my god, what is this foot doing here? And it was attached to this white male who was wrapped in a garbage bag. He was wearing these nice business casual clothes, but he had no ID. So this man calls the police and he's like, I don't know what to do. They noticed that this man, the dead man in the garbage, doesn't have any shoes on, but the bottom of his feet were clean. So he had been placed in the dumpster. He had been shot in the back of the head. And it seems like he's just this nice, well-to-do middle-class man. Mm -hmm. They run his prints. David Kasdan, an L.A. real estate businessman, a nice guy, but also a friend of the Kimes family for a while. They go to his house. They start investigating. They find David's daughter. Hey, does your dad, David, have any enemies? Well, the only one I can think of is uh, Shanti Kimes. Yeah, I mean, he was friends with Ken Kimes, her late husband, helped with some insurance things when Ken died. But David was offered a position in some loan fraud schemes and Shanti just kept pushing it. David didn't want to do it. I mean, he's a respectable business guy. And this pissed her off royally. So one day he comes home to this letter from a bank about a mortgage that he had taken out. $500,000. Turns out Shanti had somehow convinced the bank to take a mortgage out on his name and give her a cash advance. Wait, what? Yeah. Listen, it's a distracting world out there and everyone needs an escape, but they're just really hard to come by. Enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios so you feel like you're right there. So you know those stories where it's like the girl meets a boy and they start they start having some fun or maybe 
meets a girl meets another girl. And it's crazy because I thought in today's day and age, I would need 25 different stimulations to get me going. But this audio, I mean, it's so powerful. You can listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush that you never made a move on or that coworker that you always had a little thing for. Or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you. It's intense, but it's so fun. And they release new content every week. So there's always more to explore no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. You could do this solo. You could do it with your partner or partners. We're not judging. <laughs> and so for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash run. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash rotten. dipsystories.com slash rotten. So he freaks out, calls the bank and is like, this is fraud. This is fraud. It's not me. And then Shanti gets a call. So Shanti calls him and says, listen, go along with this or I'll kill you. She had a whole plan. She was going to set the house on fire, collect insurance on that too. But if David rats them out, she's not just going down for that mortgage. She's also going down for arson, insurance fraud, you know, all of these things. He's already talked once. You have to, you have to do something, Kenny. So Kenny drives over and shoots him in his own home, execution style. Disposes of his body in a dumpster near LAX goes to the grocery stores and buys a big bouquet of flowers, goes home, gives Shanti a kiss on the cheek, and says, I did it, Mom. And they fled Los Angeles. They're thinking, well, maybe Florida. No, maybe the Bahamas. They stop by a couple different states, but nothing really compares to the money of Los Angeles, except maybe one place at the time. Now there's a lot, which is New York City. Let's go to New York City, and this time we need to do something big. Now, these two, they're not serial killers. They had murdered two people yet, but I mean, even if they're turning into ones, they're not necessarily the typical ones. They're not doing it for the kill. They're not doing it for the thrill of it. They want the money. It seems like they didn't get money. Did they get, right? Yeah. Bahamas, they didn't get the money. No. And then with David Kasdan, I think that they got like $100,000. Yeah. So this is so bizarre. Yeah. So they start studying real estate records in New York City. They find that elderly widows who are all alone but have a ton of money would be the perfect, perfect people to kill. And that's when they come across a name. 82-year-old Irene Silverman. She was a millionaire socialite. So her childhood, she was actually born in harsh conditions at, I believe, a brothel is what a lot of sources stated. And she lived most of her life living near one. Her parents were immigrants who were just trying to make a good living in New York. Her mom sewed for a living and Irene fell in love with ballet. This is when, I mean, still to this day, I think that they're underpaid, but this is when you were severely underpaid for ballet. So she's just, you know, dancing for low pay, ruining her feet, just going through it because this is her passion. This is her life. And this caught the attention of a millionaire who saw her on stage, fell in love. So she moves to the Upper East Side, starts living a completely different life, but she never got flashy. I think Irene was one of those people where her personality started getting bigger. She was generous. She was outgoing. She was really eccentric, you know, people would say, but she really enjoyed herself, never stressed about putting food on the table, but people loved her. She didn't flip a switch and turn into this this, like snooty, ooh, Upper East Side type of person. She was a kind woman woman now when her husband passed she was left with their house a six-story brownstone that was i believe worth in today's money like 11 million dollars 
inside of it, there were like 10 separate apartments that could be rented out. And she would rent them out after her husband's death, not just for the money, but for the company. She had seven employees that really loved working for her. I mean, that's like a really big praise when your employees love you, you know? Mm -hmm. She had about $5 million in cash in the bank. I mean, she was doing well. She was 82 years old. So that's when she gets an application. So the plan was simple. Shanti and Kenny Jr. would forge documents so that they have the power of attorney over Irene. Then they would switch the deed to the house and all the bank records to their names, then kill her, fire the staff, and cash in on their wonderful piece of real estate. They'd be good for the rest of their lives. They'd be living it up. So they apply to live there. But Kenny Jr. goes by the name of Manny and says, this is my assistant, Eva, who's going to be living with me. Eva was actually Shanti. I keep changing her name, don't I? (laughs) They would even sleep in the same bed together which Irene thought was a little bit strange. They refused to fill out their credit application and they would keep saying tomorrow, 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 but they kept not filling it out and this was this huge red flag. Then Irene realized that they never let the maids clean the room. That was another red flag. Then a third red flag is that anytime Manny would walk past a security camera, he would go out of his way to avoid looking at it. So she told her friends, I don't know about this one. I I thought that he was nice, but I don't want him living in here anymore. I thought... I think I'm just going to get my attorney to write an eviction notice. I think I have to kick them out. This is when Kenny decided, when she's all alone, to ask her for a favor. Here, I filled out this credit application. Comes up behind her, strangles her to death. Rolled her into a shower curtain and dumped her body in New Jersey. They thought that they would get away with it, elderly widow, but they didn't realize that just because these were the worst employers in the world because Shanti had been arrested for slavery and convicted for slavery charges, they didn't realize how much Irene's employees loved her. And almost instantly, after about two hours of her being gone, everyone's like, where the fork is Irene? Where the fork is she? This is strange. In the past 15 years, she has never left this brownstone by herself. She's always with a friend. She's always with a family member. Or she's always with one of us. She's 82 years old. So they start talking. They put her, you know, they go to the police. They start talking to the neighbors. They put her pictures all over the news. And in their initial tips, all of the residents in this brownstone said, I don't know, that new guy's weird. That new guy, Manny, and uh, his assistant, Eva, they're weird. But who the hell are these people? Where can we find them? So they put up a composite sketch. Because in that apartment, they had found duct tape, shower curtain with the liner missing, you know, plastic garbage bags. Like, this is very suspicious. So they put out these composite sketches. Meanwhile, the LAPD are looking for Shanti and Kenny for the murder of David David Kasgan. Mm -hmm. The feds are looking for her for all the crimes she's committing all over the states. And now the NYPD is looking for her. And that's when the LAPD and the feds look at that picture. And they're like, that looks like the bitch that we're trying to get right now. So they find the two and they arrest them. Now, when the two are arrested in their car, they found two guns, a stun gun, a date rape drug, $22,000 in cash, and an entire just bag filled with Irene Silverman's documents, her passport, her ID, her social security card. Why would you have these things? 13 of Shanti's diaries. Because she, she was a weird con artist. She liked to document everything. So on one side of the page, she would have a grocery list. On the second side, she would say, get social security number, elderly people, easy targets. End quote. She also made a list of things she wanted to take from Irene after the murder, such as her satin pillowcases. Next to a to-do list, she had kill DK. David Kaskin, maybe? 
So the two were charged with murder and 83 other counts in January of 2000. And she just kept screaming. Shanti's screaming, Your Honor, how can we have some fairness? I'm afraid of you, the judge. I'm afraid of this corrupt system. I'm afraid of the gossip, the lies that have been fed about my son and me. And I'm afraid of this, that everyone in New York believes this. I was purchasing property legally from Irene for $400,000. Yes, I know it sounds crazy, but she wanted to sell an $11 million property to me for $400,000. She just wanted to get rid of it. Maybe it was too much upkeep, okay? And then her attorney was even more bizarre. So they had closing statements and her attorney said, listen, I get it. Shanti is not a good person. She has a criminal record, but she's not Hitler. That's what he said. Referred, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have words. She's not Jack the Ripper. That's what he said. What? Shanti also told the judge, this is the first time a mother and son are being convicted with no crime, no witnesses, and no DNA. This is like the witch hunts of Salem. The police planted and planted evidence to fool the jury, and no one has told the truth in this case. There is no crime because nobody knows where this woman is. The only murder is the murder of the Constitution by the prosecutors. In less than 20 minutes, they were both found guilty. They were sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. And she kept telling Kent, her eldest son, Honey, don't believe them. We've been framed. This is the greatest injustice of the history of the American judicial system. They have made a terrible mistake. We're innocent. And what does Kent feel about this? Disgusted. Oh. You know, like, what the heck? He said that it was crazy because, I mean, this book is so real and it's so raw. During some points of the trial, he almost sided with his mom. And then really? he was like, what? Because anytime you talk to her, she just invades your brain. And this is his mom. Maybe if you talk to her for the first time, you're like, nah, this woman's crazy. Mm -hmm. But if you grew up with her and yeah. she knows exactly what makes you tick, what triggers you, he just said every time that he would talk to her, he would feel like, okay, no, that makes sense. But then a couple days away, him and his wife would talk and he's like, whoa, 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 that's freaking crazy. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense at all. Meanwhile, Los Angeles is trying to extradite both of them for a trial for the death of David Kaskin, and they could face death. So California had the death penalty at the time, and Kenny had a reporter visit him in prison in New York. She was younger. She was like 35 years old, and he, she wanted to talk about being extradited. What's this trial like for you? What's going on in your head? They had talked before. They had built rapport. Mm -hmm. So she's in prison, and at the end of the interview... He grabs a sharp pen, presses it into her neck, and starts screaming at the guards, back off, back off. She's begging him, please, I have two kids at home. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need this story. I don't want to publish anything. Please just let me go. I won't let her go until they promise me to not extradite my mom to California. She's too old to be executed. Now, Kent, the brother, thought that this was really ironic because he's thinking, Kenny, you're too young to be executed. Yeah. Why are you... He, like he just cared about his mom didn't even care for his own you know execution or his own potential trial now the authorities refused to cooperate this went on for over four hours and finally kenny got distracted and an officer tackled him and they were ironically almost instantly extradited to los angeles so the L.A. trial was a bit different because they had a murder they had a body and they had capital murder on the table they wanted a plea deal these two. They didn't want to be executed, okay? So they want this plea deal to avoid death and Kenny confesses and pleads guilty to all the murders to save the both of them from the death penalty. 
he will be in prison for the rest of his life, and he's just going to rot in there. Shantae died in 2014 in prison. She was 79 years old. She died of natural causes. Kenny's still in prison. And Kent Walker, the eldest son, he is a national best-selling author and won an Edgar Allan Poe Award for his book, Son of a Grifter. It's... <laughs> wow. I had heard of this case before, and I... I was like, okay, you know what? I get it. It's going to be weird. But when I read the book, there's so much I didn't even put in this podcast. Like, so much. I mean, there were chapters about how they conned their way into the political parties in Washington, D.C. That's so fascinating. Like, how do you just pretend that you're an ambassador? All the fires are detailed, how they got away with insurance fraud. All the fights are in there. Like, it's just such a it's just a raw book. <sighs> I have no words. Now, it is speculated. There were a lot of ridiculous rumors that there was incest between between the two, the mom and the son. And it's mainly because of Kenny Jr.'s journal. He would write things like, oh, I saw my beautiful mom in her little hat. Like, it was just, it was weird. It was weird for a full-grown adult son to be saying those things about the mom. And then, you know, the mom, she was overly sexual. There were reports that they showered until they were, he was much, much older together. Everyone thought that that was weird. Now, Kent doesn't really think that there was anything sexual going on between them, but he doesn't really know. He would hope that there's not, right? And that is the story of the Kimes. Listen, my family's a butthole sometimes, but this type of story is like, maybe I should go tell them I love them once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure to do that this weekend. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's mini-sode, and I'll see you on Wednesday.